Welcome to Chronic Illness and Disability 101. Did you know that more than 50% of all working adults will at some point in their career experience a disability or a debilitating event that will last longer than 90 days? Here, we're sharing facts and disproving stereotypes. So whether it's you or someone you love, this journey can be a little easier and a lot less lonely. Hello, my friend. I'm so glad that you're here. In 2021, three words almost cost me my life. Hub was racing me to the hospital's emergency room and the pain and some of the symptoms I was having, by the time we got there, they were a lot worse, but I was also having chest pain. I couldn't take a breath. I couldn't talk. I was crying. It was awful. We pulled up, they scooped me up and I went straight back. As soon as they were able to rule out heart attack, the ER cardiologist started asking me whether or not I had been keeping up on my anxiety medication. He explained that I obviously had had a panic attack. He also made it clear that he was too busy and really had no interest in listening to what we were trying to tell him. Had he taken a moment to listen, he would have known that of course I had a panic attack. It was just over a month ago that I had showed up at that same emergency room with this same issue. And even today, we don't know how I survived that. Medical PTSD is real and it is brutal and it does not always show up when it's convenient. This time, I knew what was happening. I knew what I was going to be facing and I also knew that I was starting from a much weaker position than I had the time before. I was terrified. Now, the emergency room doctors and staff still ran some blood work and some basic tests, but there was obviously no hurry because I had had a panic attack. Very rarely were they even coming in and taking my vitals. So Hub and I started taking them. We had been there for about eight hours, mostly being ignored, when the doctor finally came in with the test results, which, by the way, I had already read an hour and a half earlier in my patient portal. Without looking up, she explained that my blood work wasn't great, but it looked kind of comparable to what it was three weeks ago when I was discharged from the hospital after almost dying. I wouldn't consider that a good benchmark. At this point, I am so much worse than when we first arrived. When she finished explaining that she wasn't really sure what to do since the results were fairly comparable, I asked her, well, what about the pus coming out of my arm? And she goes, what pus? That's not written down anywhere. She finally looked up, checked a few vitals, and her face went white because she knew that I was septic. You see, I spent eight hours laying in that emergency room bed getting sicker by the minute. About an hour after she caught on, my body slipped into septic shock. And once again, I was fighting for my life. Three words. That's all it took. The words panic and attack never should have been added to my chart because it reframed the way I was treated and pus wasn't added because of someone's ego. The ER cardiologist and the nurse whose ego had been bruised didn't have to pay the incredibly high price of those words. Had I received the appropriate care right away, I still would have been extremely sick, but it probably wouldn't have turned into a fight for my life. Your medical chart is a very powerful thing. And what most people and patients don't realize is that your medical chart is yours. 
it doesn't belong to your doctor or the hospital. It's yours. Various providers may notate, contribute, or even add to documentation that it contains. But the information, the history, the facts, the data, the knowledge, it all belongs to the patient. This is why it's so important to know how to check and manage your own medical chart. Growing up, I actually thought my medical chart was this like super secret file somewhere that had all this information about me, but I was never allowed to see it. As I got a little older, my perspective shifted and I realized it's really just a bunch of small folders and you never knew which version, what doctor had, and it was just kind of a paper trail mess. When I got sick, my perspective changed again, because that's when I realized that our medical charts are one of the most important and influential documents you will ever have in your entire life. If you're old enough to remember those hospital charts, the big silver clipboards that had the little hook on the end of the bed and then on some rack at the nurse's station, we all knew they were important because doctors, nurses, technicians, everyone involved in your care was reading it and making notes in it. The only ones denied or with no access to it was the patient and their family. Anytime my mom was in the hospital, my dad would grab a stethoscope or a random lab coat, walk around for a while and eventually make his way to the nurse's station, grab her chart and start reading. It sounds silly, but back then everything was hard copy and providers, for whatever reason, kept their charts away from patients. Now, obviously his system wouldn't work today for a variety of reasons, not least of which is the level of security and the amount of digitalization that has happened. The digitization of medical records has been going on for probably more than a decade at this point. However, that timeline was drastically accelerated with COVID-19. Now that records are digital, they are more easily shared between providers. As someone who is working with a whole lot of specialists and different doctors, having digital medical records means that it is so much easier for me to share valuable information, medical reports, testing, notes, whatever, with everyone has made a huge difference in the coordination and collaboration of my care. And it's also given me a way to participate and to educate myself on what is happening. I can actually read findings and I can see what's going on so that if I do have questions, I know what I'm asking because you have to remember, especially in the medical world, as patients, we don't even know what we don't know. Now, as wonderful as it is to get that information and education, it has also been a great way to collaborate with my doctors and have a second set of eyes on things. When I first transferred my GI care to Mayo Clinic, they wanted to do all of their own testing. So the whole process started over, all the tests, all the labs, everything. But this time, I actually got to see the results and read the findings and notes from different groups. It was so fascinating to be able to have that peek behind the curtain. When all the testing was done, we met with the doctor to review the results. And we started talking about the gastric emptying test. They're looking for is how fast does food move out of your stomach? 
the doctor made a comment that the test actually showed that my stomach emptied out too quickly, which is the opposite issue of what I was actually having. During the test, I actually got sick multiple times and they noted this in the notes and other comment section, but my doctor didn't see it. In fact, he argued with me about it until I insisted that he pull up the report. Once he saw it, he was actually really angry that they made me continue the test, even though it was making me sick. Now, when he read the results, he wasn't being sloppy or negligent. He was a human being that has probably looked at thousands of these results. And it was habit to look in the same place. Had I not read it prior to our appointment and pointed it out, my course of treatment would have been completely different and it would have caused a whole lot of damage. Can you imagine how many times this may have happened before? Medical charts have a lot of responsibility and are incredibly powerful. The expectation that every patient should have is that their record will be comprehensive, accurate, unbiased, and confidential. Within these expectations, there are two rights that are extremely important and well-protected, access and accuracy. Most of us know HIPAA laws as medical confidentiality rules and restrictions. But in many countries, including the United States, HIPAA regulations not only protect a patient's privacy, but they also ensure that every patient has a right to access and obtain copies of their medical records at any time. Physicians cannot restrict a patient's access to their medical chart because it's part of a patient's broader right to participate in their own care. However, there are a few circumstances where a patient's access might be restricted, especially if a physician feels that having access may pose a risk to the patient's physical or mental health, or if there's concern that it could harm someone else. I have yet to meet a doctor that didn't deeply hate Dr. Google, WebMD, or Dr. TikTok. Having patients going to those resources to self-diagnose or question what's in their medical chart is their worst nightmare. This can make them very hesitant to share their appointment notes with their patients. There's also the potential for misinterpretation or the need for context and clarity. However, if a physician is truly going to work collaboratively with their patient, they will find a way to make space for a patient's opinion, extra eyes, and even encourage their patient to take an active role in their own care. If restrictions are necessary, they're usually limited to specific portions of the medical record rather than the entire thing. If this does happen, the doctor should be providing the patient with a detailed explanation of what was restricted, why it was restricted, and what the process is for requesting a review or an appeal, or maybe even alternative options such as a joint chart review. If this isn't automatically provided, make sure you ask for it. Patients who believe that access to their medical charts are being unreasonably denied can consult a patient advocacy group or a lawyer in your area that's familiar with this type of situation. In our chronic illness resource guide, I have a list of patient advocates and legal assistance that's available for patients. 
like I said before, our medical charts are ours. They are a very important and influential document. And the key to making them work for us is assuring that we have access and accuracy. We've discussed access, so let's talk a little bit about accuracy. Patients at least once a year should look through their medical chart, check for accuracy, completeness. If there's something you don't understand, ask for an understandable explanation. And if you find discrepancies, errors, or missing information, take notes of those so that you can get them addressed. To make this easy, I did create a medical chart review checklist. You can download it for free on the website. If you believe that there are instances of bias information, such as assumptions, mental health discrimination, stereotypes, subjective judgments, anything like that that could have influenced your medical care, you need to take note of each and every instance. Most practices and healthcare providers have a system in place to address these types of concern. Start there. Tell them that you want to have an unbiased, complete, and accurate medical chart. Most of the time, it starts with you making a written request for the corrections as well as an in-person meeting. When it's time to meet, bring not only your notes, but any supporting evidence you have that contradicts what is in your chart. Supporting evidence doesn't have to feel scary. It can be test results, medical records, statements from other physicians participating in your care, or any valid information that contradicts that biased information. Keep a copy of all your notes, all the evidence, and follow up. Make sure that the changes are made and that you are happy with what the result is. When information is missing, you want to advocate for your chart to be completely comprehensive. You can do this by requesting that all information relative to your health care is included. That means things like treatments, procedures, surgeries, your informed consent, copies of advanced directives and end-of-life preferences, along with medical tests, images, finding reports, even discussions, referrals, or recommendations should all be clearly documented in your chart. If there are inaccuracies or discrepancies and you are not okay with how it's being addressed, you can ask to include a patient's letter expressing what the inaccuracies are and why you feel that they need to be changed. In order to have a complete and unbiased medical chart, everything that's included must be correct. Wrong or incomplete information just delays the diagnostic process, your treatment, insurance claims, disputes, and can even lead to patient harm and death. Not to mention the physical and emotional trauma that is felt by patients and their families because they're getting frustrated and anxious, even feeling dismissed because their concerns and symptoms aren't being portrayed accurately and therefore they're not being treated accurately. I don't even want to think about the amount of damage that could have been done if my GI doctor started treating me for my food emptying out of my stomach too fast, when in reality, I couldn't even keep it down. When I was in the emergency room, the words panic and attack dismissed my symptoms and seemed to give permission to the doctors and nurses to just take their time. It's nothing urgent. While the absence of the word pus allowed sepsis to turn into septic shock. 
a study published in the Journal of General Internal Medicine said that incomplete or inaccurate documentation in a medical record can lead to communication and care coordination breakdowns. That means that the patient's care is more fragmented and places them at risk for unnecessary or duplicated tests, delays in treatment, and drastically increases the chance of a negative outcome. Electronic records definitely have made sharing the information from a patient's chart a lot easier. However, if there is incorrect information or documentation, everyone has that incorrect information, which makes it really hard to correct. Like the saying goes, garbage in, garbage out. Unfortunately, there's one part of your medical chart that is the hardest to gain access to and almost impossible to have corrected or amended. Yet it is where the most patient gaslighting, abuse, and biased information is usually found. And that is anything to do with your mental health care within your chart. Look closely, make sure things are being documented in an unbiased and fair way, and that any concerns you have are immediately addressed. Did you know that women are 50% more likely than men to be misdiagnosed while having a heart attack? It's because a woman's heart attack symptoms are a racing heart, trouble breathing, feeling lightheaded, nauseous, maybe some pain. These symptoms are easily discounted as anxiety rather than signs of a life-threatening situation, especially because women are exponentially more likely to be diagnosed with anxieties in an emergency room, while men have the same symptoms are usually diagnosed with stress. Unfortunately, having these symptoms dismissed as anxiety means that life-saving treatment is delayed. Additional damage to the heart is allowed to happen, and it increases the likelihood of death. Everyone who participates in our healthcare system is reliant on medical charts and the details that it contains. It helps with the coordination and collaboration of our care in an emergency situation. Digital access to your medical records gives trauma and emergency responders immediate access to life-saving information, such as allergies, medications, or pre-existing conditions. With real-time access, a patient won't be given medication or treatment that could further complicate a medical emergency. Our medical charts have a lot of responsibility, a lot of power, and a lot of influence. By taking control and ownership over them, you become better equipped to advocate for yourself and your loved ones. Everyone's medical situation is unique. And if you feel that there are issues or concerns with your chart, it's important to consult with your healthcare provider, a lawyer that specializes in this type of law in your area, or a patient advocate. The reference guide and the medical chart checklist will both be on the website for you to use anytime you need it. I'll also link it in this episode's show notes. Thank you for being here, my friend. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Accessibility matters. So the audio for every episode is available on your favorite podcast platform and in video with audio and closed captions on our YouTube channel. While you're there, be sure to subscribe because we have some amazing episodes coming up. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, my friend.